Welcome to the Living Rock Podcast. Hi everyone, good morning and welcome to my garden. My name is Deborah. I'm part of Living Rock Church and uh, I want to say hi to everyone in my Living Rock Church family here and Jambo and Buena Safire to my Living Rock family in Kenya, Buna to some of our Romanian friends here in the UK in Leicestershire. Uh, and of course, to anybody else, if you're visiting us today, please be blessed and thanks for coming along to be with us. Well, we are eight weeks into um, a very challenging time, a very distressing and sad time, a very unusual time, a time where some of us have slown right down and some of us have speeded right up. Um, we're all restricted in different ways for different reasons. Um, but in this time, it seems to me that we have all enjoyed taking the opportunity to get outdoors, whether it's to the park, whether it's in your own garden, down the lane, uh, across a footpath, um, whatever it is or wherever it is, there's been some refreshing and some restoring um, and there's been some peace to be found and some relief and maybe even some hope to be found as we've gone outside and enjoyed the sunshine and the breeze. Um, the sky seems to me to be bluer. The grass seems to be greener. Um, I've heard that there are lots of environmental benefits that are coming out of this period of time in terms of various different species of plants and birds um, that the ozone layer, the holes in the ozone layer are closing up. The air itself is cleaner. It's almost like there's a renewal going on around us in nature. And uh, I found that really encouraging and assuring and just knowing that God speaks to us through all the things that are around us, everything he's created. He has given those things a message about him for us to hear. And as we look at things, we hear him speaking and we know him speaking. And in my own garden, and I'm a big garden fan, I've really enjoyed just knowing the presence of God as I've sat here and uh, pulled out the weeds, uh, watered, sowed some seeds, dug, well, David's dug a new bed, um, and uh, watched him cut the grass. <laughs> I've just known the blessing of God and just felt him speaking to me and encouraging me. Um, as a garden fan, this is a big week because it's Chelsea Flower Show this week, the virtual version this year. I've been once before and absolutely loved it. Um, I found the gardens inspiring, the design and the choice of plant and uh, materials fascinating. Um, but each garden at Chelsea has a story to tell. Each garden has something to say. It has a message of some sort and the designer and the gardener has tried to give that message through what they have produced in the garden. Um, and gardens do speak and in the Bible there are some very um, significant gardens and I've just felt in this time that I wanted to look at that and I'd like to share with you three garden stories or the story of three gardens in the Bible uh, shortly and I trust that as we spend time looking at these gardens that 
God will just really inspire us as we consider our Living Rock Church garden and how that might grow and expand. So that's what I hope we will do this morning. So the first garden story is found in Genesis chapter 2. And I'm going to read verse 8, 9 and 10, and then verse 15. Genesis 2 verse 8. Then the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he placed the man he'd made. The Lord God made all sorts of trees grow up from the ground, trees that were beautiful and that produced beautiful fruit. In the middle of the garden, he placed the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And then verse 10. A river flowed from the land of Eden, watering the garden and then dividing into four branches. Verse 15. The Lord God placed the man in the garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. But the Lord warned him, you may freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden, except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you are sure to die. So God is the first garden designer. He is the head gardener, the gardener, and he creates this amazing garden. It is filled with fabulous trees that produce amazing fruit. It's irrigated with water from this river that is in Eden. And it's just a beautiful, beautiful, productive place. There's a warm breeze, a sunshine, And in that environment, God meets with Adam, the man he creates, and they walk and they talk, and together they have uh, communion, they have relationship, they have fellowship together in this beautiful garden. It's a place where God would give Adam a companion as well to help him, because God didn't want him to be alone, and so he had a helper called Eve And together they could live in this fantastic garden and God wanted them to rule and to fill the garden with a big family. They were to multiply, have a big family, loads of children and this would go on and then the whole garden would expand and fill the whole earth, causing the earth to be filled with God's garden. You know, the word garden actually means sanctuary. It's an enclosed place where flowers and vegetables can grow, where rivers can flow, where herbs give off their smell and blossoms drop their petals and all kinds of variety of, of things. And then Eden itself, that means delightful and pleasant. So it was both a delightful and pleasant and it was also a sanctuary. It was a wonderful place where God, the God of heaven, came to be with the man on earth. And together, heaven and earth, they met and they fellowshiped together. How fabulous is that? And it says God placed him. And, you know, that word placed means to settle or to be at home. So God's plan was that Adam would make the garden his home. It would be where he settled. And then he gave them a purpose. He gave them instruction that he was to care and to plant or to to dress and to look after the garden. So he had a purpose. There was not just Adam and Eve sunbathing and eating grapes off the vine. It was pleasant, plentiful, but a purposeful garden like paradise. But the story of this garden is very sad 
because Adam and Eve were disobedient, they were disloyal. Um, they chose to listen to the lies and the persuasions of Satan who appeared to them as a serpent. And they, the, Satan led them into deception and their actions, when they took that fruit, their action caused everything to change in that garden. And exactly what God had said would happen, happened. They instantly experienced like a spiritual death. Their sin instantly separated them from God and they were filled with shame and tried to hide. There were no more walks together in the breeze. There was no more just being together with the Lord. In fact, they were banished from the presence of God. They had to leave the garden. The story of the Garden of Eden is one of lost opportunity, separation from God, selfishness, death. They had become now like refugees thrown out of their home. It was a garden of disobedience and deception. What a tragedy. The gate to the garden was closed and the cherubim were stationed to the east of the garden to guard it. But you know, God really loves the world. He loves the world so much that he decided he was going to place Jesus, his son, on the earth. For God so loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Jesus was placed on earth through Mary. He came as a a seed, as a child. He was born and he was placed and planted on the earth. And there he began the work of planting seeds of the kingdom of God the work of introducing people and demonstrating people what it's like to live in the king's garden. So our second garden story is towards the end of Jesus' life on earth. Following the Last Supper with his disciples, Jesus is preparing himself for the cross and for the ordeal that lies ahead for him. Everything up to this has been leading up to this point. Now he strategically takes them to the Garden of Gethsemane, and he says in John, it says in John eighteen and verse one. Uh, after saying these things, Jesus crossed the Kidron Valley with his disciples and entered a grove of olive trees. Judas, the betrayer, knew this place because Jesus had gone there with his disciples. So Jesus took them to a familiar place. It was a a garden, probably a wall garden. It was filled with olive trees and there was an olive press there. Uh, And this story of this garden was going to be a story of intense mental and spiritual suffering for Jesus. Jesus chose to go to that garden. He actually placed himself into this garden. He uh, knew what was ahead and he chose to go where he knew he was going to experience some of the worst distress and darkness he'd ever known as a man. He placed himself in that garden because he was going to reverse all the disobedience and the consequences of that that happened in the first garden. This garden was going to play a part in resolving the problems in the first garden. 
Not that the problems were in the garden, but the problems were with the man. So Jesus placed himself purposefully for a purpose in this garden. He had work to do there. He had some planting to do. Adam's disobedience in the original garden was about to be wiped out. Jesus knelt down, as it were, and planted himself on the ground in that garden and prayed, prayed and travailed for what he knew lay ahead. The wrath of God was going to be poured out upon him and an eventual traumatic and terrible death on a cross. He was pressed into the ground in trial and pain and torment, pleading and weeping, finally literally planting his tears and sweating blood into the ground. He became unrecognisable to his disciples. And as he prayed and as he planted himself in the ground, he overcame and he said, not my will, but thy will will be done. He placed himself in the garden. He planted himself into all the sorrows and all the troubles, all the pain and all the anguish and all the torment, all the temptations. He planted himself into all of that in that garden and he had overcome. He had been pressed in the olive press. Judas arrived at the garden with the soldiers ready to betray him and ready to find him and point him out to the soldiers. But they didn't need him pointing out because Jesus stepped forward and he said, who are you looking for? I'm the one you're looking for. There was no shame for Jesus in that garden. Adam was ashamed, but Jesus wasn't ashamed. Jesus was bold. Jesus was strong. Jesus stood up for you and me in that garden and he said, I'm the one that you're looking for. I'm the one that you need to take away. The story of Gethsemane is one of betrayal, of bravery, of passionate love, of prevailing prayer, of self-sacrifice, of overcoming and of, over, of obedience. What an amazing story this garden is telling us. <laughs> wow. So the third garden story, a remarkable, remarkable moment in a garden. What a garden story we have to read now. The story of the garden in which the tomb was. So after the crucifixion, Jesus' body was taken and placed in a tomb which was planted in a garden near to the cross. He had been placed there um, and laid there and he was actually lying in the ground as if he was planted. It was a new tomb and on the first day of a new week, Mary comes looking for Jesus' body. She comes into this garden, again another sanctuary, a place of uh, flowers and trees. This garden probably was more ornate than Gethsemane, or certainly. But when Mary comes and she looks into the tomb, 
Instead of finding a body, she finds two angels. John 20 verse 12 says, She saw two white-robed angels sitting at the head and the foot of where Jesus' body would have been lying. Why are you crying? they asked her. Do you remember the two, the, the cherubim, who were placed outside the gate of the Garden of Eden to keep Adam out? Well, here we have two angels placed on the, on the place where Jesus' body was laid. Two messengers from heaven, shining lights, shining like a massive sign that something has happened, a gate has been opened and the guard has been removed. But Mary doesn't realise that yet. They were a signpost, the angels were. But Mary's distressed and as she turns around, she asks the gardener, um, who we know is Jesus, where has Jesus' body been put? And Jesus says to her, who are you looking for? And then he says her name. And in that moment, she realizes that death has lost its victory. Jesus is alive. He was like a seed planted in the ground. And he's burst forth from the tomb. A new creation. A new era has begun. It's a new day. And it's a new life. He is the head gardener, the grand designer, the resurrected Christ. And he has come into the garden to, to reveal new life. He spoke in John 14 and he said, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. That's John 14 and verse 6. The way to the presence of God was closed. The way to knowing and living with him, being near him was closed. But now, through Jesus, the way is open. Hallelujah. <laughs> the story of this garden is a story of victory, of overcoming, of resurrection power, new life, freedom from slavery, restoration, of the relationship with God and there are endless possibilities now. So, this garden is a beautiful garden with a beautiful story. But now that we've heard our three garden stories, what does this mean for us? These three gardens are telling us a very clear story. I guess you've probably noticed what that is. These gardens are telling us the good news, or we might say the gospel. The gospel is the story of the three gardens that we've looked at this morning. First of all, in Eden, God created us to be with him. He wanted us to be with him and he wanted to be with us. Sin separated us from God because of Adam's actions in the garden and death came, spiritual death. But in Gethsemane, Jesus prayed, paid the price for us. He overcame every evil, every sickness, every torment, every sin was overcome in that garden by Jesus willingly saying, here I am. 
And then finally, in the garden of the tomb, Jesus is resurrected and he is alive. He has overcome death. And now everyone who puts their trust in Jesus will live eternal life. Hallelujah. This great story in these three gardens is a story of disobedience to obedience to victory. It's a story of shame, but to honor and then to glory. This story of creation is a story of a new era, a new creation, new possibilities. This great story is our story to tell. This is our seed to plant. And this seed is a very powerful seed. In Romans 1.16, it says, I'm not ashamed of the good news about Christ. It's the power of God at work saving everyone who believes. As God's sons and daughters, filled with the Holy Spirit, we've been placed in the kingdom, placed in the church, and placed on the earth in the world here for his glory and to tell his story. We'll be like gardeners, just like him, sowing seed until the world is beautifully filled with God's glory. God has spoken to us at Living Rock Church about being a large and beautiful garden. He is the head gardener and the great designer, but he is, has a design for us to be a beautiful garden. And this garden that he wants us to be will tell a story. And the story that this garden will tell will be a story of resurrection, uh, of healing, of joy, of peace, of restoration, of life, of all the wonderful things that we see in the Garden of Eden. We will have a story to tell in Living Rock and the story will really say this is what Jesus is like. He is beautiful and people will look at the garden and they will say isn't Jesus beautiful? Richard Jones um, talked a couple of weeks ago about how we'd received this prophetic word from Kerry about being a garden and this garden in the prophetic word is saying it's going to be well kept and full of wonderful different types of flowers and flower beds and wild flowers but that there will just be one garden and there'll be symmetry and beauty one beautiful garden well, the seed that we have to sow, I believe, therefore, is going to bring forth, as it's sown, a tremendous variety into the Living Rock Garden. We're going to see all kinds of different people, different nationalities from different backgrounds, with different circumstances, all coming in and being um, planted into the garden with us. It's going to be wonderful. At this time, it would seem that we're all drawn to creation, where whoever we are, we're wanting to be outside for rest and peace, perhaps even hope, like I was talking about earlier. It's a place where we can get away from the statistics and the graphs and all the dismal news that we see on the news every single day, sad news. But um, there is amongst all this a great desire growing to know the creator and the maker of the world. Some have reported a spiritual uprising in this nation in the news and, and also not just our country but many other nations in the world are finding people are being drawn to seek and search for the Lord. This is a great time um, for recognising what God is doing amongst people in the world. While I was in the garden, God said to me, have you seen the condition of the soil? It's very good. 
and I believe the soil is very fertile right now. It's time to sow the seed like never before. It's time to be liberal. I was given a lot of seeds at different points over Christmas and New Year, packets of seeds, and so I've been trying to find where I can plant them. And I found loads of different types of things I could plant my seeds in, polystyrene cups, loo rolls, trays, into the ground directly, into pots, all sorts of things. And I think I now have plants growing, which is really exciting. I love it. But I just want to say to you this morning, as a church, we have so much seed to sow and we need to be really creative and thoughtful and sow our seed extravagantly and generously right now because the soil is very, very fertile. Let's make this garden really tell a story tell a story of how beautiful Jesus is, how he takes what was broken and restores it, and how he takes what was shameful and gives it honour, how he takes disobedience and through obedience brings out freedom. Oh, hallelujah. The wasteland will become a beautiful garden. As gardens, let's seize the season and be gardeners, planting and sowing seeds. Put your gloves on, Grab your fork and your spade and your watering can and your seed and go out there and start digging and start planting because this world is a gardener's world and it belongs to him. I hope you found that inspiring this morning. I'd just like to finish by saying if you've been touched by the story of the three gardens today, if you have been able to relate to it in some way and felt distant or separated from God and unable to know him, but you'd like to know him, we would love you to get in touch with us at uh, Find Life at Living Rock Church, I think. I'm sure there'll be lots of details for you uh, with this broadcast so that you can get a hold of us. But I want to tell you that God loves you and he wants to be with you. And it's been wonderful to be with you all this morning and I hope you have a really blessed day and enjoy all that God has for you today. Thank you for joining me. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us today. Search for us online and get information about upcoming events and more great teaching.